0: Thank you, Jesus, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you would, please turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And let's go to the Word of the Lord this morning to gain our confidence. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the ministry of your Word and the power of this Word within us, activated by the life of your Spirit, that we may grow up in our salvation to the full stature of Jesus Christ. That we may be in this earth as he is now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. First Peter chapter 2, I want to take you on a little bit of a trip and a journey here from the Apostle Peter. And uh, Peter is writing, as it says in the beginning of 1 of Peter... To the diaspora, those that are dispersed throughout the known world at that time, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, but because of persecution in Jerusalem and Judea and the Roman Empire, he's writing to the elect exiles of the dis- uh, dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, and basically we know the term refugees a little better. And so, as he's writing to brothers and sisters, fellow Christians that are refugees, that the reason that they're dispersed and spread out is because of the persecution of the saints. And uh, how many of you know that you can get very discouraged when you're being persecuted for your faith? It makes you want to kind of back down a little bit, maybe keep a little quiet, so that uh, you're not going to get hurt anymore. I mean, most of us have a real self-protection about us, don't we? So if confessing Jesus is going to get you flogged or whipped or make you lose your job, or for the Jewish believers, get you kicked out of the synagogue, you know, this kind of stuff is going to make you really wonder if I should step out in my faith or not. And they needed encouragement, and they needed it from uh, the rock Peter. And uh, he is speaking to them, and he's encouraging them, and he doesn't want them to forget who they are, and it's easy to do that. And so he wants them to know that your condition, your condition does not dictate your identity. Now, I don't know about some of you, but you have faith to trust in God, you've been praying for things, but when they're not coming to pass, when you lose your job or you lose your house, you're your car breaks down yet once again, and your finances are in tough shape, and you're calling on the promises of God, but they just don't seem to be coming through. We need encouragement, and our situation should not dictate our identity as to who we are, because your identity comes from the one who gave you life, and that's from Father God. And Father has given you life. And despite what you've experienced in your family and so forth, you're identified by where you come from. And we come from heaven. How many of you know that? Jesus has made us citizens of a new kingdom. And so in chapter 2, verse 5, he says this, you yourselves like Living stones are being built as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You've got a job to do. We're not to cower in the background, though you've been dispersed from other family and friends, and though you've tried to find a safe haven from, from the Roman government who's going to throw you into a lion's den or use you as Nero's entertainment and put you up on a tall pole and cover you with tar so you, he could light your body to light up his chariot races at night. These kind of things were taking place. But he says, don't forget who you are, people of God. I know you're hurting. I know you're troubled. I know these are tough times. But you are living stones and you're being built up as a spiritual house because you've accepted the cornerstone, the stone that the builders rejected, he said. All of Israel rejected Messiah. The world's rejected this, this stumbling block, this stone of Jesus Christ. But he says, you're a living stone being built on that rock. You can't deny the foundation. And so he says, as living stones, what he means by that is, you're, I'm using an analogy, and you're the living analogy. I'm using the analogy that God's building a temple for himself. How many of you remember that the temple is going to be destroyed in 70 AD? The last sacrifice was given in Jesus Christ. And so as his sacrifice was given, there is no need for a Jewish temple anymore. There's no need for that priesthood anymore. There's no need for those sacrifices anymore. But now we have become that temple of God. Jesus is that sacrifice, and we're the priesthood that bring the benefits of that sacrifice to the world. So you're living stones. You're human stones. And so we're being placed and built up into a holy temple in which we're also priests. So as living stones, what does that look like? Paul tells us that that we are placed in the body of Christ where the Spirit wills. We're, we're living stones, but I want you to look at this picture here. There's a difference between a pile of bricks and those that are ordered by the Lord or the builder, the architect. We're just not a pile of rocks that showed up today. You're not being cast away, Peter's saying, as some pile, as some grouping of people scattered throughout the earth. You, in fact, are building a temple. Whether you're in Europe, whether you're in Jerusalem, whether you're in Asia, whether you're in China, whether you're in South Africa, whether you're in Detroit, there is a temple to God, and it's placed in position and built up by the Lord Jesus Christ. You're in the right place at the right time in your life. God is putting you in place as to where you are. The church is not rubble. We're not a pile of rocks. We're living stones. He says, being built up as a spiritual house. Being built up. And that's what Peter's doing. He's building up the body of Christ. This is the hour Jesus needs a temple that is filled with the Holy Spirit, that is on fire, and that is mediating the very presence of God into this earth. He needs a pillar of truth that speaks truth in this nation and in this world. And you've been placed in that temple at just the right spot. So take your positions, people. Take your positions. Be a living stone. He then goes on and he says this. You're to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. Spiritual sacrifices because the physical sacrifice has already been given. The sacrifice for sin has been given by Jesus Christ, the pure Lamb of God. There is no other sacrifice to be offered except the spiritual sacrifices of our praise offerings to God for what He's done. In this picture, you see the priesthood and and you see them doing the the sign of the high priest, right? Live long and prosper. I mean, Spock stole it from Judaism. It was the high priest's sign. And they're standing there because in Numbers chapter 6, it tells the priesthood that after the sacrifice for sin has been made and atonement's been given, then the priesthood is to bless The people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and give you grace. May His countenance be lifted up and give you peace. And that's what the priesthood is doing. We are offering spiritual sacrifice of praise to God and mediating as priests from the throne of God to this world. We're telling this world there is hope in Jesus Christ. There's acceptance in Jesus Christ. There is love in Jesus Christ. There's a remedy for your sickness. There's a remedy for your life that's broken down. There's a remedy. And I am blessing you with the knowledge of it through Jesus Christ. It would be easier to cower in the corner of your city. It would be easier to not have a sign on your church. It would be easier to be out in secret and hide away. But he's saying, don't forget who you are and what your assignment is. May I say, this is a life and death assignment. You know, we've got used to it in America that it's at our convenience that we'll be Christians. I'll share my testimony with you if I feel comfortable enough that you may like it. Because I would hate to offend you, and I don't want you to think less of me by me sharing Jesus with you. And so we, we, we share at our convenience. That's not a priesthood. You know, when you're on duty to operate in the temple of God, you don't hit the alarm and roll over. <laughs> you got to keep the fire burning in the temple. It's time to wake up and receive the sacrifice of the people and offer it unto God. You don't get to call in sick that day. We can't call in sick people to the job that we have to do as a living temple of God and a holy priesthood to this nation. But we've been calling in sick too long. We've got a horrible work ethic in the kingdom. Just not feeling it today. And Peter is telling the Christians that are scattered, don't let your situation dictate who you are and what you're to be doing. So he he goes on a little further in 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 he goes down further and he says this. But you are a chosen race. Come on now he's going to go into the cosmic destiny of who we are. I love that. Man sometimes we got to get out of the ordinary, right? Just an Irish guy living in Detroit. Four kids. you know? No. You have a destiny. You're deeper than that. You've been called from the beginning of the world. Your name's been written down in glory. Come on, how many of you know you need to know your identity is more than what you have a name for here on this planet? You're not identified by the job you do at work where you go every day. You're identified by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You used to be Peter, who was a fisherman, but you're the rock, and your testimony of who I am is gonna build the kingdom of God. Woo, that changed everything. Once Peter knew who Jesus was, Jesus could then identify who Peter was. You're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a people acquired for a possession so that you may tell out the virtues of Him who has called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. I'm using the English Standard Version and it says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm that precious and chosen because of my circumstances. If he likes me that much, why am I going through all this? But again, you have to understand your destiny is rooted in him, not life's circumstances. See, God sees you as an eternal being. As Paul says, these afflictions, these light afflictions, these things that we're enduring will will all pass away so quickly and the minute we're in glory, none of this will even matter. You won't even remember half of this stuff. You know that there are Christians that live to be five years old and then they're taken to be with God. 10 years old, 20 years old, right? There are people around the world who are being killed and persecuted as believers. Whole families slaughtered. Doesn't God care about them? Doesn't God guarantee that every single Christian should live to be 90? No. Where did you ever get that idea? No. You're a living stone. God has you placed in a position, and he will have you function in that position till he takes you home. So serve in that position. Serve as a believer as to where you are. But let's get back to the destiny of who he's calling out, these persecuted saints. He says... You're a chosen race. A chosen race. The word chosen is eklektos, eklektos. Eclectic, right? Ecclesia the called out, I've chosen this one. This is the one I want. You've been chosen. Have you ever considered why you're saved and your brother and sister isn't? In your family? Why are you saved, and on your block, everybody else isn't? Did God favor you over another? I don't know. You responded to the awakening power of that word, and you are chosen of God. God has put the call out there. Many are called. How many of you know people are hearing the gospel day in and day out? But you've responded, and you're chosen in by God. And you're a chosen race. And the word race means genos. In the concept of a genos, the race means that you were a, a heritage. You're from the lineage of one person. How many of you are doing that DNA test thing, right? How, come on, how many of you have sent in your DNA, right? You spit it into something, I think. And, and they send it back and identify your genealogy. Three of you. Do most of you know where you come from? Some of you are like, I don't know. It doesn't care. I don't care. Some of you are very like, I'm Italian. <laughs> I'm English. Right? You identify the continent you're from. Well, this is what he's saying. You're a chosen race. You're no longer Roman. You're no longer uh, from Crete. You're no longer from Africa. You're no longer from Europe. You're no longer from this. You're from the one man, Jesus Christ. That's the gene you come from. That's your ethnicity right there. You're a Christian. A chosen race of people. You are no longer merely human. You remember that in Corinthians as we studied it? Paul said, you're acting like mere humans. What's the implication? I'm no longer a mere human. I have been elevated into a new race of being. Oh yeah, I have the DNA of earth. And I have a body that comes from Adam. But I am born from above. And I am in Christ, no longer in Adam. I'm not just a mere human anymore. So you're chosen as a race of people. So I can be in any continent on this planet, any place on this earth, and be of one race, the race of Jesus Christ, a Son of God. For those whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Or brethren. That's that's a genealogy. That's we're predestined to become sons of God. So we have That new DNA of Jesus within us, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that's our identity, and that is being shaped, and that is being formed to look like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus in every situation. That's my heritage, and that's the heritage of the saints. I love that in Isaiah. What is the heritage of the saints? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You see, we're all being conformed as a race of people to follow after Jesus Christ that we would be of His family. Now, he goes on, he says, well, that's the race you're from. I love it. He's, he's reformulating your identity. So it's nice you celebrate whatever your ethnicity is, but man, don't celebrate it over the fact that your ethnicity is of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen? Any time race becomes more important, your ethnicity in this earth becomes more important than your identity in Jesus, we've got a problem. And how many of you know we have a problem in the church concerning that? Yes. We've got white worship, European worship, we've got black worship, we've got Chinese worship, we worship like Koreans, or we worship like this group of people, and we identify our worship according to our ethnicity. Ethnicity. Well, God loves ethnicity. How many of you know that? He's not going to change your ethnicity in heaven as far as where you came from because He loves that. Remember it says, around the throne, every tribe and every tongue? Right? You ever think of that? They're all wearing white garments. How do you know that they're from every tribe and every tongue? If you were to take a picture and look at everybody around the throne... But they're all wearing white. How are you going to identify that? Hey, look at every every tribe of the earth is here. I would have to imagine skin color. What do you think? When you go to heaven, you get a, a skin color change? And I would imagine your dialect, your tongue, your language is there. Because God said He's going to pour out a spirit on all flesh. He, he, he'll celebrate your ethnicity, but don't ever let ethnicity override. You're a son of God, a child of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're one race. We're one chosen people. Amen? So there's no prejudice in the body of Jesus Christ. There cannot be prejudice in the body of Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I need a better amen than that. We go on and he says this, you've become a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Now that's interesting because the Levitical priesthood isn't royal. In the Old Testament, there were kings, there were prophets, there were priests. The priests were the tribe of Levi. They came through Aaron and they were Levitical. But they were not royal. In fact, there is only one priest who is royal. And according to Psalm 110, it is the order of Melchizedek. In Hebrew, it's Melchizedek. Melchizedek, alright? Is the king of righteousness. Zadek is righteous. He's the king of righteousness and he's the prince of Salem, which is Shalom. So where is Shalom? Where's the city of Shalom? Jeru Shalom. It's the city of peace. So who's the prince of peace? Who's the king of righteousness? Jesus. He is, Psalm 110, the most quoted psalm in the New Testament, is that you are of the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is a royal priest. And the transfer took place when Jesus went down into the baptismal waters to be baptized by a Levite named John the Baptist. it Remember? He's of the the Levitical tribe. Remember his father heard mention that he was going to be born when he was serving in the temple? And so here you have the Levitical priesthood coming to baptize Jesus who is of the Melchizedek priesthood. And John the Baptist says, man, I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. I shouldn't be doing this. And Jesus said, no, this is to fulfill all righteousness. And as the Levitical priesthood is immersing the Melchizedek priesthood, he comes out, the Spirit of the Lord comes on him, and at that point, the priesthood shifts in the earth from the Levitical priests to Jesus, the Prince of Peace, King of Righteousness, and the royal priesthood. You've been birthed in Christ Jesus. You are now in the order of a royal priesthood. He offered the sacrifice, but He needs you to gather around the throne day and night interceding on behalf of the kingdom of God and bringing the power of that sacrifice into the earth. Folks, we're spending too much time calling on heaven for our needs instead of releasing the, the power of heaven into the earth. If you'd understand who you were, you'd be fully satisfied with what he's given you and start operating the full potential of heaven into the earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How's that will going to come? Through the royal priesthood, your kingly priesthoods? You make decrees. You declare the will of God. You declare God's unction and power. What you bind on earth has been bound in heaven. What you release into the earth has been released from heaven. We need mediators to take all the promises of God that are yes to say amen to them. Are you with me? Are you getting this? Wow, if we get this, there's going to be a change in the atmosphere on earth. Amen? Praise God. That's what Peter's saying. I know you're being persecuted. I know you're being whooped. I know you're hiding in the corners. Stand up, Christian. Know who you are. But it may cost me my life. That's all right. There's more Christians. No, seriously, the retirement program is awesome. Stop worrying about your life. We all think our lives are so important. Your witness is more important than your life. Somebody say that with me. My witness is more important than my life. We don't believe that. We hold on to this life and cringe to it as much as we can. Heaven forbid that a believer would die. Oh, God failed everyone. We're all torqued up. Thank you. Our witness is more important than our life. We're a priesthood. Let's get going here. Let's look at what a priesthood does. Hebrews 13, 15. Through Him, then, let us continually offer up. You see, He, he already offered the sacrifice. Let us continually offer up a sacrifice. What? Of praise. Hosea says the fruit of our lips. Yeah. Giving praise. I like that term, fruit of our lips. Right? it's like got apples and plums and, no I just, what, what is fruit is the byproduct of the nature of a tree and so the nature of a priest of the Lord Jesus Christ the byproduct would be praise to God that's the natural byproduct now fruit of our lips he doesn't say the fruit of your thinking I mean of course we're supposed to have our mind the mind of Christ but the fruit The byproduct of Jesus in you is supposed to show up. Faith is the, say it again. Faith is the, all right, so when there's a substance, right, something's showing up. The evidence of what's invisible, right? You can't solve a crime unless you have evidence. Can everybody at work solve The evidence that you're a Christian? Would they figure that out? Is there fruit? See, So there is action. Fruit is word and action. So we're to continually offer up the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. We're speaking God language. Don't neglect to do good, boys and girls. It's really simple. Don't neglect. Do good, do good, and to share what you have. This sounds like kindergarten to me. Wow. <laughs> right? Do good, share what you have for such what? For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So a royal priest is always to be magnifying the name of Jesus, to be extolling all the virtues of Christ, to constantly be recognizing Jesus Christ in all things and in your actions, you're always doing good unto a Father who is good, always doing good for all people, and thirdly, you're sharing everything you have. No stingy Christians. This is life transforming, and it's really simple. Talk it, show it, prove it. This is it. I didn't write it. Peter did. Oh, no. Uh, Sorry. Paul, the writer of Hebrews. Right? That's a continual sacrifice. Continual sacrifice. So we're to be offering sacrifices. He goes on. We're not done yet. This is amazing. He says you're a chosen race. That's your new heritage. You are a royal priesthood. That's your office. And then he says, we're a holy nation. We're not like any other nation on this planet. We're not like any other people group. We're a holy nation. We're a nation that is from the holiness of God. And so we, like Abraham, are looking for a city whose builder and foundations are not of this planet, but the kingdom of God. Our nation is the kingdom of God. Our nation is what God does. So we follow the laws and the dictates of our king and ruler, Jesus Christ. That's his kingdom. Do you know what kingdom stands for? A king's dom. Oh, domain, okay, good, yeah. King's dominion, king's domain. So where is the king's domain? Does he own the earth? Yeah, he owns the earth, but other people are, are occupying it right now. And the devil is controlling many of the areas that Jesus wants back. And Jesus gave us a commission from his holy nation. His nation is to invade the enemy's territory. And you are to step on serpents and scorpions And you are to win nation, people groups, to this nation. And you're to cast down all the works of the enemy. He was defeated at the cross. Put him under your feet. And this nation is to attack the demonic nation because there are so many prisoners of Satan. And people are not our enemy. They're looking for a way out of their prison cells. And there's a holy nation on the earth that is at work to accomplish it. And that would be us. A holy nation taking the Lord's dominion wherever we go. Last of all, we are a people. A people for His own possession. Now, that speaks to being His servants, but if I were to help you really understand the Greek word for servant, it's doulos. And so in English we use the word servant, but if it was, it's better rendered in Greek, the original language and the original intent, and so that is slave. We're his slaves. But I'll tell you what, it is a good thing to serve a good master. Amen. Yeah. A bond slave is one who is so well treated though he's given his freedom, he stays with his master. Cuz where else would we go? Peter said. Yeah. Are you going to leave me too? said Jesus when he said you better eat this flesh and drink this blood and everybody scattered. Ah, what is this guy crazy? And he turns to his apostles, and he says, are you going to leave me too? Where else would we go? You possess the truth. We serve a good master. I'll be a slave to Jesus 24-7. What he calls me to do, I will respond. He supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. He clothes me, he feeds me, he takes care of me. I am his possession. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, Paul said this. You were not. Uh, um, you are no longer your own. You were bought with a price. We were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, honor Christ in your body. We belong to Jesus. We're His possession. He will do with us what He pleases. But we usually like it how we please do with us as I please. Father God, I offer my life to you. Do with it as I please. If you don't, I won't believe in you anymore. And I will doubt your goodness and your love. I'm just saying what we believe. So something's messed up here. But if we would really understand He bought us, He chose you, He called you, and he gave you a royal calling, and he made you a unique people, and you will be with him forever. And so the end of that portion of scripture is: uh, He, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light you see the ending of this is that you may proclaim we're back to speaking the goodness of god that's what the priesthood is that is what we offer continual praise to the excellencies of our god you can't shut me up about jesus talk about the latest rap star, talk about the greatest actor, talk about the greatest singer, talk about the voice, talk about this, talk about that. I'm talking about Jesus. He's my all in all. He's the best sports star. He's the best actor. He's the best engineer. He's the best, you name it, I'll brag on Jesus. I give honor where honors do. There's great people, yes. But he said, it is our job And it is our place. And again, in the context of what we're talking about, the total context is he is talking to a persecuted people. He's talking to a people who are hiding away from being killed. And he's saying, there's one thing that should be on your lips. Praising Jesus Christ. The excellencies of God. And then he says this, I love this. Because he called you out of darkness and he put you in a spotlight. Didn't he? Called you out of darkness to put you into his light. Now what happens when the light's shining on you? Here I am. Spotlight's on you at work. Spotlight's on you at your job. Spotlight's on you. And whose glory are you going to reflect? Why did he call you out of darkness? Well, to save me and give me all the things I need. No, 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 no. He called you, yes, you needed to be rescued. Yes, you needed to be saved. He called you out to put you center stage on wherever you are as a living stone to declare His excellencies because you're a royal priest who will mediate the sacrifices of God. You're a holy nation. You're the kingdom of God on earth. That's who you are. You are a chosen race of people. Your lineage comes from the seed of Jesus Christ Himself. Somebody shine for Jesus this morning. That's what he's talking about. Somebody shine for Jesus this morning. Stand up with me, won't you please? Now, even though you're being persecuted, even though you're having trouble, he says, make him known. Make him known. I pray right now that God will give you courage and boldness. The early church, when they were persecuted and arrested, when Peter was arrested and the angel had to wake him up and kick him out of jail... And he went back to the prayer meeting and he's with all the people who were filled on the day of Pentecost. They went back in and prayed and were filled again. And they had one prayer. In the midst of the persecution starting against Peter and starting that night against the church, one prayer they had. Boldness. Boldness. They didn't say, oh, rescue me from the sword. Oh, keep me out of prison. They said, give us boldness, because we're a holy nation, a royal priesthood, right? A chosen people called out of darkness to shine for Jesus Christ. Lift your hands up this morning. Hallelujah. Would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I am here to be a representation of your light. I am a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a chosen race to declare your excellencies. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's celebrate.